As we continue this series, we began two weeks ago called Confessions of a Pastor. And over the last two weeks, I've confessed the first week, I don't like myself. Last week, I confessed that I'm insecure. And if you missed one of those messages, it's so important that you get online at peopleschurch.tv, that you watch the messages, that you listen to them, you download them on your iPod. Listen, I really believe they will help you, encourage you, and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. And we've learned over the last two weeks that there's power in confession. There's power in confession. Matter of fact, week number one, I shared several scriptures with you about how there's power in confession. I've talked to you about how the Bible says that we should confess our sins, our junk, our issues to the Lord. And the Bible also says to confess our sin, our issues, our junk to other Christians. Why? The scripture says so that we can be healed, so that we can live a life of victory. And that's what this series is about. I'm making confessions about my own life. I'm being about as raw as I've ever been. I'm being about as transparent as I've ever been to this church. And the reason I'm doing that and opening up parts of my life to you is because my hope and my prayer is you will gain strength to make your own confessions. And that God will heal you, deliver you, set you free, and you will walk in freedom as you make confessions from your own life to others and to the Lord. With that in mind, I'm making my third confession today, and that is, I've been hurt. And the confession that I'm going to dive into today, my father, my dad, who lives in Bowlegs, Seminole area in Oklahoma, He has no idea about the confession that I'm getting ready to make. My mother, who passed away two years ago, she went to the grave and had no idea about the confession that I'm getting ready to make. And the confession is this. When I was in my early teenage years as a virgin, I was sexually molested, sexually abused by an adult lady. This abuse went on for several months until I adamantly told the lady to leave me alone. And the lady threatened me and if I didn't meet her demands. But I stood my ground and just said, no, I'm, leave me alone. And the abuse stopped. And those months of sexual abuse have forever affected my life. The abuse has fostered in the past. It fostered this great mistrust for people. The abuse, it fostered in my life, in my teenage years, anger and hostility. The abuse that I experienced losing my virginity through sexual abuse, it spiraled me down a road of sexual promiscuity and having sex outside of marriage. I struggled with a great deal of insecurities because of the abuse. And I'm sharing this with you today because I have been healed. I'm I'm a whole. And I want to talk to you, some of you that are hurting, in pain, been abused. I want to talk to you about four steps of how I was healed from my hurts, specifically sexual abuse. Number one is this, number one is this, 
I had to tell somebody. I had to tell somebody. And it was really hard for me to tell somebody. Hold on, let, let me say that again. I don't think you understand the magnitude of this. It was really hard, really hard for me to tell somebody that I had been sexually abused. For years, I carried this secret and kept it to myself. And I, I hid it and I carried a lot of shame. I carried a lot of guilt around. I, I carried a, a, a lot of fear of what other people would think about me if they found out that I had been abused. Matter of fact, when I was preparing this series, I, I, I was thinking to myself because I, we, we started this series and planning for it a year ago. So I knew that in July I was going to do a series of confessions of a pastor about a year ago. And so I've been thinking about what am I going to share with the church family. And, and when I thought about sharing my story of abuse, uh, first I said, yes, you know, you know, it was a year ago. I said, yeah, I'll share it. And the closer we got, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not sharing that. I'm not sharing that. What will people think about me in the church? What, what, what will they say about me? I'm not, I'm not sharing that. And then I thought yes. Then I thought no. And then finally, I just, I just resolved in my heart and with the Lord that this was the time to share this with you. And one of the things that compelled me to share my story with you is that my story, unfortunately, is common. Statistically, one in four girls is abused sexually before the age of 18. One in every six boys is abused before the age of 18. And there are some of you underneath the sound of my voice today, some of you watching online that you've been abused maybe as a kid, as a, as a teenager, and you haven't said anything, you haven't told anyone, and you're carrying around this shame, and I know what that is, you're carrying around this shame, even, even guilt and condemnation, and you're carrying around pain and hurt, and you're carrying around fear of what other people will think about you if they ever found out, and, and you're carrying it all by yourself. And I want to encourage you, I found freedom when I told somebody. The first person that I really opened up to about this was my wife, Tiffany. She was 20 at the time. I was 22. You're thinking, how old are you now? I'm 37 now, but I was 22 then. And we were engaged to be married. It was in the fall. We got married in December. It was the fall before we got married. I had flew in to... Nebraska, my wife was living with her parents for the summer as we were, as we were preparing for mar- get, to get married in December. And I'll never forget, I was in the driver's seat of the car. Tiffany was in the passenger's seat. And I felt like she needed to know about this before we got married. And I just told Tiffany that I had been sexually abused. I didn't go into a lot of details. I didn't give her the entire story. I just opened up to her and let her know. She didn't pry. She didn't push me. I just shared that with her. Now, over the years of our marriage, I have opened up and I've shared pretty much every detail with her. I've shared a lot of what had happened to me during different conversations. I would just open up and open up and open up more. And, And can I tell you, when I confessed this to my wife at the time, my fiance, Tiffany, It brought healing to my life to have another Christian person who knew and was praying for me. Several years ago, I don't know, two or three years, 
two of my closest friends here at our church, and they're in a community group with me. And I had opened up to them. I was going through something in my life at the time and opened up to them about what had happened to me. And, and once again, sharing that with those men of God, it just brought a greater level of victory and freedom in my life. Because, listen, telling other people, God uses it to bring healing to your life. The scripture says it like this in James chapter 5 and verse 16. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And and here's the deal, here's the deal. Some of you are missing out on God's healing power working in your life because you won't tell anybody. Because you won't say anything. And the Bible says confess, your, your, admit your faults and to, to others so, so they can pray for you and you'll be healed. It says the earnest prayer of a righteous man. Everybody shout righteous. In other words, you don't just tell anybody your business. Since the righteous, you tell a strong believer, a Christian, somebody who loves God, so they'll pray with you. It says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. There are results when somebody who loves God prays for you. And I want to encourage you, some of you, you got to tell somebody what happened to you as a little kid. you got to tell somebody what happened to you as a teenager. Some of you, it's, it's, it's messing up your marriage, it's messing up your relationship, it's messing up your career because you're keeping it all to yourself, all the shame, all the pain, all the guilt, all the fear, all to yourself. I would encourage many of you to go get some professional Christian counseling, somebody who's a professional, who loves God, who'll give you biblical advice and counseling to guide you through issues from the past and your struggles and what you've dealt with and what you're feeling even today. And the key is this, you've got to tell somebody, I received healing from the abuse that I experienced because I told somebody. Number two is this, number two is this, there's a second step, and that is, I had to forgive. I had to forgive. And here's a valuable lesson I've learned in life from the Word of God. I've shared this with you before, and it so impacted my life when I understood the truth of the Scriptures, and that is this, forgiveness is hard but hate is harder. Forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. I'm not telling you this from somebody else's experience. I'm telling you from my experience. Forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. Holding on to a grudge is harder than letting it go. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And that key word is whatever. Forgive whatever has happened to you. Whatever has been said about you. Forgive whatever grievances. So how do I do that? Well, the scripture goes on to say this. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, as I think about the person who hurt me, abused me. I could hold on to hate and bitterness and resentment and think of ways how I could get even. But when I think about how the Lord has forgiven me, and the Lord hasn't forgiven me little, he's forgiven me lots. And I think about how the Lord has forgiven me, how in the world can I not extend forgiveness to somebody else? 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, notice this, once you forgive, over all these virtues, put on love. But when you don't forgive, you don't put on love, you put on hate. And over all these virtues, don't put on hate, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, friends, here's what happens. Unforgiveness is like going through life carrying around a dumbbell. And some of you are going through life carrying around a grudge, carrying around bitterness, carrying around resentment. And you're holding on to it. You won't let it go. I'm holding on to it. I'm going to let them know. I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm bitter. I'm angry. They got to know the world needs to know what I've been. I mean, and you're holding on to it. And here's the deal. You think holding on to this grudge is hurting them. That's not hurting them. It's hurting you. Holding on to the bitterness and the grudge is not affecting the other person. It's only affecting you. And some of you are, are so bitter and so hostile and so angry. You're carrying around two dumbbells. And some of you literally, you're going through life carrying around a heavy grudge. Listen, forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. Unforgiveness is harder. Bitterness is, is harder. And you know what happens when you go through life? You know what? When you carry around this kind of weight, you just get tired. Some of you are tired. You're tired. You're going, you can't figure out why you're so tired because you're carrying around hate. And bitter. It's hard, it's hard carrying around hate and bitterness and a grudge and, and resentment. And it affects your relationships. Some of you can't even love your spouse right because it's, it's hard when carrying around. It's hard. It's hard. You can only do it so long and you, you can't even love your kids right. You wonder why you're always going off and why you're always so hostile. It's, it's hard. When you're carrying around, you, you, you wonder why you can't get career advancement and, and why you're not getting blessings on the job. And you're always hostile and angry and bitter and you can't reach your potential because it's hard. Listen, forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. Holding a grudge is always harder than just letting it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. And I had to forgive. Now, let me say this. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to be the person's best friend that hurts you. I'm not advocating that. But you've got to let it go. The person who hurt me, abused me, we're not, we're not friends. I have no intentions of being friends with the person, but I've forgiven them. I've released them. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. If I saw the adult lady today, I... I'd be great. I'm fine. I'm, I'm really great. I pray for you. I wish you well. Wanted to prosper. I trust and pray she's repented and knows the Lord and living for the Lord. But, but, but forgiveness doesn't mean now we've got to be best friends. I mean, I'm not inviting her over to play with my kids. You know what I'm No, no. I mean, that's, that's not forgiveness. That's stupidity. You see what I'm saying? I mean, no, no. So, so we, can be, we can operate with forgiveness without saying, we're going to be best friends, and you got to let it go. Number three is this. Number three is this. Four steps of how I was healed from my hurts. Number three is I had to receive God's healing power. God's healing power. The Bible says this, and I'm going to share several scriptures with you that have really helped me in my times of hurting, in my times of pain, in my times of confusion. These scriptures I've clung on to. They've really ministered to me deeply. 
Psalms 34 and verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Listen, listen. When your heart is broken, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, don't push God away. So many people, when they're hurting, when they're in pain, they stiff-arm God. They try to keep God at a distance. They, they don't let God into their personal mess and, and their hurt and their pain. And the Bible says that the Lord, He's close. He's trying to draw near. He's trying to draw nigh. He has a heart and compassion for those who are broken. So He draws close. But so many people stiff arm God. And when I gave my life to Christ, it, this happened to me in my early teens. And when I gave my life to Christ when I was 17, One thing that I did when I gave my life to Christ is I invited God into every area of my life, into my pain, into my confusion, into my hurt. I didn't stiff arm God. And I'm a living witness that God draws close to the brokenhearted. And my heavenly father wrapped his arms around me and he ministered to me. He helped me. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're angry. You're mad. You're hostile. You're stiff arming God and your heavenly father. He's chasing after you. He draws close to the broken hearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Would you quit stiff arming your heavenly father and invite him into your mess, into your situation? to your issues, to your hurt, and to your pain. Another scripture that, that really helped me, God, God heals the brokenhearted, is Psalms, thir- Psalms 147 and verse 3 says, He heals, talking about God, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I had to allow God to heal my broken heart. I had to allow Him. I couldn't stiff arm Him. God draws close to the brokenhearted, and I had to allow God to heal my broken heart. And I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness that God heals the broken hearted. I want you to hear me. I'm talking to somebody today. God can heal you from molestation. God can heal you from rape. God can heal you from mental, sexual, or emotional, or physical abuse. God is a healer. He has the power. I'm a witness to invade your hurt and your pain and your trauma and to bring healing to your life. Our God is a healer. He is. He's a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. And he's healed my life. He's healed my heart. And I stand before you today whole. I stand before you today loving God, loving people, loving my wife, loving my kids, loving being the pastor of people's church. I stand before you whole. But let me also say this to you. Being healed of hurt, of pain, of trauma, of abuse doesn't mean that your life will no longer be affected by it. Being healed doesn't mean that you will no longer be affected by it. See, I've been healed, but I still remember what happened to me. I'm healed, I'm forgiven, I'm whole, I love my wife and kids, I'm serving God, I'm not hostile, I don't have an anger problem. I mean, I'm healthy, but I have been affected. Let me give you an example of being healed but affected. Because of what happened to me, I'm very protective of my kids. I'm, I'm probably at times overly Protective because of what happened to me. 
You can invite my kids over every, every day to come spend the night at your house. They ain't coming. They're not coming. You can spend a million dollars and have Chuck E. Cheese and everybody over there. They're not coming to your house to spend the night. There's about two or three people. They can go over to their house and spend the night. I have a couple those, those kind of friends that are that close. But, but I, I'm very protective of my kids because of what I've been through. So I'm healed, but I, I'm still affected by what I've been through. I, I used to really struggle, I mean, a great deal with trusting people and... I'm a whole lot better now because of the healing power of the Lord. But it's still a minor struggle for me. And because of what I've been through, I'm very cautious in relationships. I'm very cautious of who I let into my inner circle because of what I've been through. I'm just cautious. I'm, I'm on alert. I'm just aware. I'm cautious where some people may just jump in. Woo! We're best friends. We've known each other two days. Best, not me. No, I'm checking you out, Kat. I'm checking you out. I'm watching you a little bit. So I'm, so, so I'm healed, I'm whole, but I'm affected. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The, the Bible says this in Psalms chapter 107 and verse 20, 20, a very powerful scripture that's helped me. The Bible said, he sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. God sent forth his word, his word, his word, his word. Listen, the word, prayer, and worship has made all the difference in my life. Listen, I can't overstate that. I don't want to minimize it because it's not a little thing. The word, the word, the word, prayer, worship has made all the difference in my life. I can't overstate it. It's made the difference. Can I tell you, if I could give you some advice if you're hurting, if if you're going through pain, if you're going through trauma, fall in love with the word. Come on, come on. Soak your mind in the word. Meditate in the word. Fill your mind and your heart with the word. Come on, eat the word. Love the word. Get in the word. Read it all the time. Get in love with the word. The word has made all the difference in my life. I love the word. It's made the difference, man. When I struggled and was going through it, I was devouring. The, when I got saved, I probably read the Bible six or seven times all the way through. Just devour the word, the word, the word. The word has made the difference. And I will tell you, get in the word, prayer, and worship. It really does make all the difference in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them. Number four is this. There's a... A fourth step that helped to bring healing to my hurts, and that is this. I had to turn my misery into ministry. I had to turn my misery into ministry. Listen, a huge key for me to turn misery into ministry was overcoming a victim's mindset. And, and, I, and I really had to overcome this mindset. I struggled with a victim's mindset. I struggled with thinking thoughts like, well, because I was abused, I'm messed up. My entire life's going to be messed up. I've struggled. Victim's mentality. You just don't understand I'm messed up. I'm a failure. I've struggled with that. I'm a failure. I almost didn't marry my wife because I felt like I was going to fail. I'm going to fail. I mean, I'm, I'm a failure. Look what I've been through. Look, I'm, I'm a failure. I'm going to fail at marriage. I'm going to fail at being a dad. I'm, I'm a failure. I, I'm unworthy. I've, I've wrestled with. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to be loved by God. I'm unworthy to be loved by people because of what I've been through. I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy. I've wrestled. I've wrestled with these thoughts, victims mentality. I've wrestled with. I'm nasty because of what I've been through. I'm, I'm a nasty person. I've wrestled with. I'm a loser. 
I mean, if I was really a winner, somebody who's winning in life, they wouldn't have went through that. <laughs> there's no way they would go through that stuff if they were, if I was a winner, I wouldn't, there's just no way. And I've wrestled with that whole thought of I'm a loser. And, and here's a big one that I wrestle with is I wrestle with the victim's mentality that nobody understands what I've been through. Nobody knows my pain. Nobody knows my hurt. Nobody knows my tears. Nobody knows the fear that I've carried because of what I've been through. No, no, nobody knows. And, and I, I've wrestled with this victim's mentality. And there are, are some of you today, some of you watching online that listen, listen, you have a victim's mindset. Some of you have this victim's mentality because of what you've been through in your past, because of hurt and abuse and pain. And you've got this victim's mindset. Some of you have a victim's mindset because of the family you grew up in. You go, well, look at the family I grew up in. That's why. And you have this victim's mindset. Some of you have a victim's mindset because of the city that you grew up in or the country you were born in and you got this victim's mentality some of you have a victim's mindset because of the color of your skin well the color of my skin I'm a victim you have this victim's mindset some of you have a victim's mindset because you grew up in poverty and now you have this victim's mindset and you have this mindset that's hindering you and holding you back it's a victim's mindset and you have to overcome the victim's mentality the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, everybody shout. Everybody shout, more than conquerors. Now, I want you to hear me. You're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm ministering this to your heart. Somebody who has a victim's mentality. Listen, you are more than a conqueror. I'm talking to somebody. In Jesus' name, abuse can't hold you down because you're more than a conqueror. Rape can't hold you down. Where you grew up can't hold you down. The city you were born in can't hold you down. The color of your skin can't hold you down. The poverty you grew up in can't hold you down. The family you were born into can't hold you down. You're more than a conqueror. You gotta get rid of the victim's mentality. And friends, when you have, when you overcome this vi victim's mentality, you, 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 here's what happens. You start realizing the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care the hell and high water you've been through. You have the victory according to the scripture. You're not defeated. You've got the victory. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're not a victim. You're a victor in Jesus' name. Listen, you're not a victim. You're a victor. And friends, when you develop a victor's mindset, you realize that God will take your misery and turn it into ministry. God will take your greatest, oftentimes your greatest pain, and he will use it to become your greatest tool of ministry. You see, God has a track record of taking people's pain and turn it into a pulpit. God has a track record of taking people's mess and turn it into a message. That's the track record of our Heavenly Father. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. 
And we know that in all things. I've been sharing a lot of my favorite scriptures with you throughout this series. These are the scriptures that made me get through. These are the scriptures I quoted in all things. Can I, can I tell you, my, my life has not been a bed of roses. My all things are not all good. It's been pain, sexual abuse, my parents getting divorced, tears in the midnight hour. Wonder if I was going to make it. Scared. Lonely. Carrying around secrets for years. Shame to tell anybody. Oh, it hadn't been always. But it all thinks. God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to. To his purpose. God has a track record of taking a man named Moses who killed another man and then fled to the backside of a desert. He thought he lost his destiny, his purpose. He was there for 40 years just taking care of his father-in-law's animals. I mean, he's there for 40 years wondering, I've lost it. God can't use me anymore. But God gave him a burning bush experience. And God took his mess and turned it into a message because God has a track record. God has a track record taking a man named Joseph who had a dream but his brother hated him and his brother sold him into slavery and the Bible says while he was in Potiphar's house as an Egyptian the Bible says that Potiphar's wife got the hots for him accused him of rape but he never did it but he was thrown in prison anyways and while he was in prison the Bible says they forgot about him in the prison but the Bible says this 17 year old teenager that had been abused mentally and emotionally even physically in the prison. The Bible says that this kid by the age of 30, God took his mess and turned it into a message and he was the second in charge of Egypt because God has a track record of taking your misery and turn it into ministry. And I'm a living witness. I'm a living witness that God will take your misery. And if you invite him in to your life, turn into ministry some of you you couldn't figure out why you like this church but you keep coming and one of the reasons is that this is a house of hope you see I have a real compassion for hurting people it's been hurt I have a real compassion for kids and to get the gospel to them and love them while they're young because of what I've been through that's why we're in the schools and while we're doing the big outreaches. And because I know that if God could take a little old broken boy from Wewoka, Oklahoma, a town of three or four thousand, that's been through abuse and trauma and pain, and God could take me and he could use me for his glory. Oh, what he can do in your life. And I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter what you've been through. No matter what you've been through, God will take your misery if you'll invite him in and he'll turn it into a ministry. And he'll use you in a powerful way for his glory.